Today we continue our series of talks on the life of St. John the Wonder Worker, the patron saint of our parish. He was affectionately called Vladika John, which means dear bishop. It's probably one of the most honorable titles or um, greetings that you could give a bishop to say dear bishop. It expresses honor and affection and love and respect and all the things that you would want to express to a holy man of God. And so we are endeavoring to learn more and more about Vladika John by studying his life. Before I go into that, though, I want to also commemorate the saints that are appointed for this day, July 11th, and especially the holy and great martyr Euphemia. This is one of her feasts. This is not her primary feast, but it is the feast in which we celebrate the great miracle associated with her life. After her death, actually. This saint is commemorated on September 16th, the day in which she suffered. She's a great martyr. But on this day, July 11th, we commemorate a miracle wrought by her precious relics. Revealed at the time of the Fourth Ecumenical Council in Chalcedon. This council was called together in the reign of the Emperor Marcion and the Empress Pulcheria in 451, after the death of the Emperor Theodosius the Younger, and was summoned because of the heresy of Dioscorus, Patriarch of Alexandria, and Eutyches, and an Archimandrite in Constantinople who had disseminated the false teaching, now listen very closely, because this is is not a simple matter. It's just a little bit complicated. They had disseminated the false teaching that there were in Christ not two natures, divine and human, but only one, a divine nature. At this council, the chief role was played by Anatolius, Patriarch of Constantinople, and Juvenal, Patriarch of Jerusalem. Because, through the quarrels and evidence on both sides, no decision could be reached, Patriarch Anatolius suggested that the Orthodox and the heretics each write down their confession of faith and that they be put into the coffin that contained the relics of St. Euphemia. All agreed to this. Two confessions of faith then were written and placed in the hands of the great martyr. The coffin was closed and sealed with the imperial seal, a watch then being set over it. They then spent three days in fasting and prayer. On the fourth day, when the tomb was opened, They saw the Orthodox confession of faith in the saint's right hand and the heretical one beneath her feet. Thus was the conflict resolved by God's power on the side of Orthodoxy, the belief that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man, and that when he became a man, 
He did not cease being God. Nor did his divinity swallow up his humanity. But he is fully God and fully man, and he is in heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father in his humanity and in his divinity. Of course, his humanity has been glorified. It has been transformed. It has been transfigured. And so... But he is still fully human. And he is as we will be when we someday are resurrected after the second coming of Christ. We will still be fully human, but we will be transformed. So, thus orthodoxy was defended by the great martyr Euphemia. In the time of the Emperor Heraclius, the relics of St. Euphemia were translated from Chalcedon to Constantinople to the church dedicated to her near the Hippodrome. Also, we remember today St. Olga, a great Russian princess, the wife of Prince Igor. She was called Olga before her baptism. She was baptized in Constantinople by Patriarch Polyuptus and was greatly zealous for the Orthodox faith in Russia. She entered into rest in the year 969. So now I'd like to return to our study of Ladika John, and basically we are reading through testimonials and remembrances of him from various people who knew him. So this next Testimonials from a man named Luke Gehring of Erie, Pennsylvania. I was baptized into the church in 1980. I believe that it was in 1984 that this healing took place. It was on the Feast of Pentecost. I had received the mysteries and had returned to my parents' home. My parents and I were about to go to my sister's for a family celebration when I was asked to change the windshield wipers on my parents' car. In removing the second wiper, the clip which held it in place broke and sliced a long, wide, and deep gash into my right thumb. This was of concern as I had just received Holy Communion and I was bleeding profusely. I quickly bound the wound with a tissue that I had in my pocket. It was very painful, and the cut was so wide that it was clearly going to require stitches. But I couldn't worry about that now. As my mother hunted for something which could serve as a bandage, it occurred to me that I should anoint the wound with oil that I had from the tomb of Ladika John. I did so, and the pain immediately disappeared. After binding the wound, we went to my sister's home and had a pleasant afternoon. Upon returning, I opened the bandage to check on the cut. I had never seen anything like it. Skin had formed over the gash. The blood visible under the transparent skin was still liquid and moved freely. Not knowing what to make of this, I bound up the thumb again. In the days that followed, a scab formed under the skin, gradually decreasing in size until it was tiny and finally came to the surface and fell off. As a reminder of this miracle, I have a small scar, really no more than an interruption in the fingerprint, on the side of my thumb, the size and shape of the scab when it came off. I believe it was the next year, perhaps two years later, when another healing occurred. 
I was doing some seasonal work with some friends. By the end of the day, one of them, Patrick, was feeling quite sick. A nasty influenza had been going around, and it appeared that he was coming down with it. It was doubtful that he would be back on the job soon, and I was concerned about his long drive home. Pat was a Lutheran, and I didn't know how he would respond to the idea, but I told him of my healing and suggested that if he were willing, I would anoint him with oil from the Vladika's tomb, which I had on hand. He consented, and with it I drew the sign of the cross on his forehead. Much to our astonishment, he showed up the next day for work. He reported that when he arrived home, he had a high fever. He just managed to get in bed when sleep overtook him. In the morning, to his surprise, he was completely well. Over the years, I have been convinced of the concern and protection of Ladika John, even when my prayers were not answered as I would have wished. I was eventually blessed by by being given a relic of a hair of Ladika John, which I keep against the day when it be encased in an icon of Ladika with a halo. After moving to Erie to join the vibrant Old Rite Parish here, I was told a story by Bishop Daniel, which you may wish to check to make sure my facts are correct. When he was a seminarian and deciding about his future, he asked the blessing of Ladika John and another hierarch, it may have been Metropolitan Philaret, to become an Old Rite priest. Ladika John gave his blessing and added something to the effect. Stay with the old right. The old believers need you to protect them. Bishop Daniel, of course, was influential in the old ritualists, here here joining with the new ritualists under the Russian Orthodox Church abroad. And eventually he was consecrated bishop of the old right with Erie as his cathedral. So one can see even here the blessing hand of Ladika John. Lastly, I have been praying for some years for a friend of mine, James, a conservative Lutheran, who was very dismayed at what he was seeing in the church world. I had hopes that he would eventually convert to orthodoxy, but not any time soon, especially now that he had a pious Lutheran wife and a new son, and we had moved to virtually opposite sides of the country. In November of 1990, I received a letter from Jim in which he told me that he had contracted a virus which left him with partial partial paralysis on one side of his face, Bell's palsy. Concerned, I wrote back asking him if he would like me to send him a bottle of oil from Vladika's tomb. To my pleasant surprise, a few weeks later, Jim wrote that although his health problems were more of a nuisance than a major trial, he would nevertheless appreciate the oil. When I called to be sure the oil had arrived safely, he reported that nothing miraculous had happened. He realized, of course, that the oil was not some magic charm with a guarantee, but a plea for God's mercy. But something miraculous had happened. As I talked with him, it became obvious that the prodding of the Holy Spirit was at work. This was borne out in Jim's next letter. I am doing quite well at the moment, thank you. As I mentioned, nothing immediately spectacular, but have been on an upward trend for me in general lately. I am happy to attribute some of the credit to Vladika John. In the same letter, he requested that I paint an icon for his son and asked for information of what synod, parish, and priest might be in his area. I encouraged him to attend Pascha services, which he did. He wrote afterwards, To say I was moved would be an understatement. I know where I belong, and that is in the Orthodox Church. He would also ask for prayers for his wife that they could enter the church together. Clearly, Levitica John is aiding in his conversion. Even years after his repose, 
Fladika continues to do missionary work to bring converts into the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I testify that the above are truthful accounts to the best of my knowledge and memory. Holy St. John, Fladika John, pray for us. Amen.